blocking. Deep pattern downfield. Touchdown, Miami. What a throw. Devontae Parker. Holy smokes. What a drive. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? It's a Wednesday. I'm your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, it's a deep dive Wednesday, and we're learning from the very best. We'll hear from Dolphins quarterbacks coach Charlie Fry on progression reads and the importance of eyes at the quarterback position. Plus, Gerald Alexander and Coach Burks break down the play of our two young safeties, Javon Holland and Brandon Jones, as well as Byron Jones, respectively, at the cornerback position. Plus, We'll look at areas of improvement and the greatest assets on this roster as far as the individuals go through the first eight weeks of the season, position by position. From the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex, this is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. A little bit of an educational segment for you guys here today. I had a really good interview, or three good interviews, with three of the Dolphins' assistant coaches on Tuesday. Charlie Fry, quarterback's coach. Gerald Alexander, defensive back's coach. And Charles Burks, Dolphins' cornerback's coach. And I want to start first with quarterback's coach Charlie Fry, who I asked about the concept of reading levels and vertical passing game for the quarterback's perspective about do you read this thing low to high? Do you hit it high to low? Like if if the quarterback sees a route available underneath immediately, does he take that knowing there could be a possible opening down the field later in the concept? How does that work? Here's Coach Fry. You know, concepts are built a lot of different ways. You know, some of them are low high, low, then back low where you're, you're playing off the low high defender. You know, and then if he's, if he's in between, usually like he'll flip his butt to the sideline and try and bait you into going high and come back low. So... Some of them are high to low, where you know you're trying to push the ball down the field first and then come down. Some of them are inside out, where now you're playing off the horizontal stretch, to where you you know you got an inside route and you got an outside route. Um, so they're built a lot of different ways. So it's you know you build them to attack defenses, you know di- different coverages, and then you just match your your eyes and your feet. Well, within that progression, and, and then your feet will tell you. So you, you want to throw that quick route off of three plant, you know, from the shotgun. One, two, three, is he open? You know, and if he's not, now i got to get to number two, and so on and so forth. And, you know, that's, that's kind of how you, you, you structure your rules, and that's what you live by, um, you know, knowing your progression is stone cold that so, so you can go out and process them, you know, quickly because it happens fast. Up next, I asked Coach Fry about moving body or moving defenders rather with your body position. Is it unique to Tua and how he moves guys? Because you talk about that play where he fit the ball between four Buffalo Bills defenders into Devontae Parker in that game on Sunday. Impressive keyhole level accuracy. I asked him, is the ability to move defenders with the body position unique to Tua? He said, yeah, but also followed up further. I think more has to do with his eyes. You know, first of all, finding vision within the throwing lanes but then you know we talk about you know just your eyes as your biggest weapon as a quarterback especially versus zone coverage because if they're looking at me I'm looking at them you know you, your progression should your eyes should naturally open up the next guy in the progression um, and then you know 
looking guys to where you want them to go and knowing something's coming back inside. Then I followed up with Charlie about an interception thrown in the Monday night game about how the eyes of the quarterback took the Sam linebacker right to the football. And I said, I was telling my wife about kind of how that works. Like it was cool to explain to her, like two was pretty good in that regard. He's not going to use his eyes to take a defender to the football. And Charlie jumped right in and, and spoke more about that topic. Yeah, usually I can zone. It, it doesn't get better. It gets worse. Like because you're, you're looking there. And that's where I say your feet got to tell you. So like if I'm hitching to it, I got to go. I got to get to my second guy, my third guy, because it's only going to get worse. I'm only bringing more guys to the party. And so I followed up with Charlie on that point and asked him about first and second window throws, because sometimes the receiver comes off the line before he hits that first linebacker, that first window is available to the quarterback. He has access to that, so you take it when you have it. But sometimes the progression of the drop back with the concept, with the coverage, you have to then kind of hitch and hit that second window once he clears the linebacker, right? So I asked Coach Fry, is that a pre-snap thing you determine, or does it happen post-snap? Yeah, no, you're, you're reading... You know, just the tempo of that defender through through that slant. You know, is he is he spot dropping to where I can rip it, or is he moving towards it? And now I'm going to have to dig on my back foot and, and let him clear him, and then pop it. And so the natural follow up to that one for me was: Is that something where you know ahead of time, or is there a technique where you're not just double clutching to double clutch, but you know there's a certain way to hit that second window throw because of your technique? Here's coach. No, there's definitely some. Like when you're when you're looking at it, it's if you zero in on the, on the route, you typically can't see how you know that flat defender whether he's you know having vision on him and the slant. So like when you're initial looking at it, it's trying to get vision a soft vision through that zone and just seeing his tempo. Can I look him out and then throw it in the second window, or I, or can I you know quicken it up and and pop it pop it in there before he gets there. So there you have it. I'm going to try to get more of that type of educational stuff on here so we can learn this game more and more together from the guys that know the game the best. So I hope you guys appreciate that. We're going to come back after the deep dive here and get back to Coach Burks and Coach Alexander. The audio on that came in late to me, so I apologize for chopping it up this way, but I think this plays the best. Quarterback talk first. We'll do midseason evaluation up next, and then we'll have Coach Alexander and Coach Burks. You don't want to miss their comments either. Now for Deep Dive Wednesday. Been kind of searching for these topics last several weeks. Hasn't been easy, but I wanted to go right now after week eight, and it would be normally the midway point of the season, but with the new 17-game schedule, you don't really have a midway point of the season. I guess halftime of the Houston game on Sunday is the midway point of the season. But I wanted to go position by position and talk about what I think each player has done well so far and what the group can improve on as a group in total and just how they can get to that improvement. So the midseason evaluation and just real quick, some of the individuals on the on the roster here, I just didn't feel I had enough reps to form a sound opinion on. Like if guys only played 100 or so reps, I just don't feel that comfortable giving you a, a true evaluation on a guy that just has not played that much ball. And with that, please note that this is my observation from my own film study. So at the quarterback position, playmaking for both guys, I think has been very good. We know about the quarterback position here in Miami. We talked about the 16 of the 28 true dropbacks on Sunday resulting in quarterback pressure. It's been something the quarterbacks have had to contend with here. And I think they both have done a good job of extending and going off script to make plays. That was basically where the brissette led offense shined the most was going off script and kind of extending plays. And as Seth Levitt and OJ McDuffie and I kind of joked about how he seems to do his best work when things are sloppy around him. 
and still finding a way to execute, big slops. And for Tua, for me, it's what we just talked about with Coach Fry, moving defenders and the accuracy to take advantage of those displaced defenders on top of the idea of extending and making plays off script. I think those two things have really come together for him so far in the second season. And then the group improvement that I think we could all look at is just cutting down on the bad turnovers, the, you know, the fumbles or the bad interceptions that Tua has run into here the last few weeks. He's talked about it. He's acknowledged that he's got to do better in those areas. And I think he can continue to grow from that and get better in that regard because, again, the kid's 23 years old. So just as a group in total, fewer turnovers from that quarterback position. At running back, I like what Miles Gaskins provided in the passing game as far as a route runner getting into space. He had that nice slipped tackle on Tremaine Edmonds on Sunday. You go back to the Tampa Bay game, 74 receiving yards and two touchdowns in that game, including a nice wheel route up the sideline for six. Really like what he provides in the passing game. Kind of like a James White light in that regard as far as like uh, you know, satellite players or comparison players. He's really, to me, in that mold as far as what he can do in the passing game. Savon Ahmed, just the pure juice and explosion that he offers. I continue to think he has the most juice in this room as far as guys that can hit big plays and, and use their speed to create chunks in the ground game, something Miami desperately needs more of to get this 32nd ranked running game off the ground. I think Savon Ahmed's explosive playability could have an impact on that in the second half of the season. And then Malcolm Brown was his pass protection. I think he, in the was it the Atlanta game or Jacksonville game? I think it was the Jacksonville game where he was lining up basically right uh, right behind the guard center, that A-gap right there, in pass protection on passing downs. And I talked to him about that at his press conference before he was injured and talked about how it just basically, on an obvious passing down, it helps you get in there and doesn't give the blitzing linebacker, whoever the case may be, coming in that A-gap. It doesn't give him a, a longer runway to attack you. So I think, I think he's done very well in pass protection. The group improvement we need to see out of this group, uh, bigger plays and forcing more missed tackles in that second level. Again, I think the idea for me of the running game is to not only stay balanced and keep the opposing defense, you know, considering playing forward and downhill and creating false steps, but also getting chunk plays. That's a big part, important part of the running game. And so that, as well as executing on short yardage, are two areas of group improvement that I noted here. At the receiver position, Jalen Waddell, I mean, we, we know what he was coming out, but I continue to be so impressed by his route running ability. I mean, that route against the Falcons, I, I've talked about it ad nauseum here. With a cover two look and your your the closer cornerback or the cornerback, I should say, playing more of a cloud off coverage to be able to get to that out route to the boundary against that coverage. You have to not only press the safety in a, in a fashion where he commits to your upfield route, but you have to attack leverage and get into the blind spot of that underneath cornerback. So he can't drift out into the flat and intercept that ball. I just continue to see really good nuanced route running from Jalen Waddle. And then for Devontae Parker, never going to change this one. Contested catches. We saw it again on Sunday. We saw it back in week one. That's just what he does. He goes up and locates the football. And he's, you know, I've, I talked about this back in 2019 when he had that 1,200-yard season, that the way he can kind of elevate and position his body in the air to block out the defensive back so they don't have a clean ch- opportunity or chance to climb up the ladder and go get the football 
that's to that to me is his most special trait is the way he puts his body between the defender and the football on those long balls and to be able to concentrate on those and pull them in it's super impressive for Mac Hollins the hands and reliability I don't know if he has a drop this year maybe one tops but he's just been consistently reliable when he's gotten chances out there and then for Williams Wilson and Ford I just put there's those guys fell into the category of not enough reps to give you a detailed report on any of the three the group improvement I mean just availability. I mean, we've seen the injuries in this group really kind of derail the group in, in terms of who's been available and play usage. We've seen so much 12 personnel, which, you know, you have a deep tight end room, but you also came into the season with a deep receiver room, which has been challenged by those injuries. So availability, and then also just spacing. There needs to be more spacing in the offense, I think, among the receiver position. At the tight end spot, Mike Gasicki, and, you know, to me, he's made so many improvements over the first four years of his career, but the nuance in his route running, to know when to flatten, when to you know use that the arm bar to kind of create space and to to derail the jam opportunities of the the box defender who lines up over the top of Mike and just kind of getting off of those releases clean, staying on balance through contact balance. I just think that he's really developed that area of his game into an elite level at this point. He's been one of the best tight ends in the National Football League. For Durham Smythe, his inline blocking. For Adam Shaheen, Hunter Long, and uh, Seathan Carter. Again, just same thing as the receivers. Not a ton of tape here for these guys, so I'll go ahead and punt on those. The group improvement needed, I think, is just sealing the edge in the running game. We've seen too many instances of the defensive end kind of crossing face and closing that gap and getting pressure on the running back immediately, regardless of which gap strong side or weak side they want to run. There's got to be a better a better production as far as sealing off those edges in the running game. On the offensive line for Liam Eichenberg, uh, what he's done in the running game in terms of some of the more technical stuff like double teams and his cutoff blocks his reach blocks and the push he gets in the running game I've been impressed with those marks so far in his rookie season for Austin Jackson it's when he gets those seal blocks and the runs in his gap but also the tenacity he plays with he plays pretty fired up saw it again on Sunday we talked about it in the Falcons game last week Austin Ryder I I really don't have one for really any of the centers but I think that all three of them have just been good Austin Ryder Michael Dieter and Greg Mance were all all getting it done at the center position uh, Robert Hunt, the nastiness, the one-on-one blocks in the running game, finding work in pass pro, go and get yourself a slack of ribs, as Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins would say. Whenever you see him without a body to block or a guy to pick up and you see Jesse Davis engaged, he goes over there, helps out his friend, and knocks a guy off of his feet. I love that mentality from Robert Hunt. For Jesse Davis, his versatility. The group improvement needed here, blitz recognition, passing off some of those games and picking up those games. I think it's been a bit of a sore spot on the, you know, on the whole, as it were, uh, just getting some of that stuff communicated. And that goes back to the quarterback too. Pass protection is not just the offensive line. It's really a whole team process, but as a whole, the team has to get better in the second half of the season in that regard, in my opinion. On the defensive line, Christian Wilkins, there's a lot here. I, I, you guys know that from my perspective, the strength at the point of attack, the quickness off the snap, his hand fighting ability and hand placement ability, heavy handed, and the eye discipline to get himself in the correct gap, get off those blocks and make stops. He's been so productive this year. With Zach Sealer, the length and strength and short yardage production, we talked about it on Sunday, eight running down reps for Zach Sealer and three of them was that, I think from my baseball experience, three for eight was a 375 batting average. So 38% of the time that he was on the field for running plays, he made a tackle within two yards of the line of scrimmage. Great work from Zach Sealer in that regard. Raekwon Davis, 
stacking up double teams, being immovable at the point of attack. He, I mean, the length that he d- dis- displays and the, the strength he shows at the point of attack to just kind of anchor and keep that sand in his pants. Sometimes he has to go down to the knee to kind of hold that thing, but he's so strong in that area. With Adam Butler, the first-step quickness and some of the stuff that he does off the games to help create some of those A-gap runs with the pick stunts um, and the group improvement they needed to display, I think, in the second half of the season. I would just list pass rush production for all four of those guys because they have gotten in the backfield, but converting some of those pressures to sacks or to big plays to takeaways, that would be an area of focus for me in the second half of the season. Off the edge, Emmanuel Ogba. Story don't change here, guys. Heavy hands, speed to power, his pass rush arsenal. I continue to be impressed by it. Uh, With Jalen Phillips, his aggressiveness really stands out to me. Going and attacking blockers, attacking those double teams, attack the vulnerabilities of your opponent. I think it's coming along for him slowly, but I feel confident in his development so far. Andrew Van Ginkle, some of the edge runs that he strings out. I think we saw a couple of those on Sunday to get to the perimeter on those outside runs with some of the lateral agility and speed that he exhibits. And then Brennan Scarlett kind of doing the same thing, but in a different fashion with more physicality, setting those strong edges. As far as the group improvement there, Again, the pass rush production just has not been good enough this year for Miami. Hopefully that can pick up here in the second half of the season. At linebacker, Ray, uh, almost said Raekwon Baker, <laughs> uh, Jerome Baker, blitzing and pursuing quarterbacks. I think it's always been his strongest suit, and I think it has been so far this season. For Landon Roberts, run fitting. For Sam McGuavin, blitzing and showing that ability to get downhill and take those quick angles of the quarterback. And for Duke Riley, you know, not a ton of sample here, but I like the way he beat blocks on Sunday in the Buffalo game. The group improvement area needed just across the board. Coverage, running backs, tight ends, zone, finding people instead of landmarks on the grass to cover. Those are all areas I think the linebacker group can improve upon for the rest of the season. At the cornerback position, Xavier Howard, what else would it be? A forced fumble and a recovery, two interceptions this year. That's good ball production for the, the, what, the fourth straight season now. He's a ball hawk. That's what he does best. Byron Jones, just multiple coverage prowess. You'll hear from Coach Charles Burks here in just one second. The man coverage, the zone coverage, the eyes. So, so, so refined in those areas. And again, we're going to play some more audio for you guys here on Coach Burks, but I'm just so impressed with what Byron Jones has done, and you'll, you'll hear why here in just one second. Nick Needham, the transition skills in and out of his breaks and challenging the slot receivers at every point of the route up close at the top of the stem at the catch point. I think he's had his, by far his best year this season, Nick Needham. Justin Coleman, tackling I think has been his best trait coming fighting through some of those picks and rubs and getting downhill on the screen plays the group improvement I would list here is just better overall synchronicity synchronicity in zone coverage and getting through rubs and picks in man coverage at the safety position Javon Holland the instincts the range the control downhill coming from depth for Brandon Jones his play speed his instincts his blitzing for Eric Rowe, run fitting at the point at that safety position. And for Jason McCourty, who was injured, his communication and versatility and coverage has all been value valuable. As far as the group goes, I think they need to improve their tight end coverage. Tight ends are having too much success against the Dolphins in the first half of the season. The specialist, Blake Ferguson, I, he hasn't had a failed snap at this point of his career. Also had the fumble recovery, so good season here for Blake Ferguson. I, I think I'll have to ask him about what he thinks of his performance. Jason Sanders still hasn't missed an extra point in forever, and I love his pooch kick, short kickoff ability. Polardi pinning punts inside the 20-yard line. The group improvement, coverage, and field goal protection cannot have block kicks there. Accuracy for Jason Sanders. The 36-yard field goal miss is just so out of character for him. And the length of the punts. Wouldn't mind seeing some more leg on those punts. 
No trade deadline deals for Miami. That's all there is to report there. No one got traded from or to Miami at the 4 o'clock trade deadline on Tuesday, so we can all go the rest of the season without talking about trades. All right, so those are your quick deep dive Wednesday, and the trade deadline has come and gone. I want to go ahead and focus on my top news story up on MiamiDolphins.com that I was pretty proud of here. And you guys on the podcast have heard me talk for a couple of weeks now, I think, about the process of development and the consistency of the Dolphins, really best players on the roster, showing that bite some point in year two or year three in their in their development and their projection as young players to the league. And I talked about Xavier Howard, who kind of had his breakout late in 2017, his second year. Mike Kosicki, same deal, late into his second season, had the touchdown and big yard production before a massive uh, third season in the NFL. Christian Wilkins, a bit more steady projection, right? His, his trajectory more steady, but a true breakout campaign this year. Miles Gaskin from practice squad call-up late his rookie season to full-time bell cow type of back in year number two even free agents like Emmanuel Ogba Eric Rowe experiencing career years upon arriving in South Florida and of course I talked to Brian Flores last week about development and he said it's case by case that for some players it clicks for them a little bit sooner some players it takes a little bit longer some players have success early then for whatever reason start to tell off some people don't have success and then for whatever reason the light bulb goes off he said he thinks his young guys work hard and all give great effort and they're all working towards being the kinds of professionals they need to be to have success in this league. And so I was looking at this with regards to Brandon Jones, who of course is right around the midway point of his second season, as well as Javon Holland, who of course in his rookie year to me is having one of the best seasons on the team. But I wanted to look at these two kids and talk about them and just talk about their production and what they've done to earn that production and playing time so far from the coaches that are around them every single day. And did you guys know this? No rookie safety has more pass breakups than Javon Holland. Of his 490 snaps played, 454 of those have come from the deep safety position, the post safety, the free safety, whatever you want to call it. And despite all the space that he has to cover from that perch back there, he's missed just 8% of his tackle opportunities and surrendered only 24 yards after the catch. That's seventh fewest among safeties, not just rookies, all safeties with minimum 10 pass targets directed towards them. Now, Brandon Jones has been deployed in an entirely different fashion, 142 snaps in the box, 64 at free safety, 55 on the line of scrimmage, 30 in the slot, and 10 more out at wide corner, according to Pro Football Focus. And the result of that, no safety, not rookie or otherwise or second year, no safety in the National Football League has more than seven quarterback pressures, except for Brandon Jones. He has nine, and that leads the NFL at that position. He's also tied for the league lead among safeties with two sacks. And so that's where we kind of get into our uh, discussion here with Gerald Alexander as well as um, uh, Charles Burks. Sorry about that. Talking about these two guys and what they have meant to this football team and the progression of their career so far. And we start here with a question for Gerald Alexander about the progression of Brandon Jones's career so far. Here's GA. Uh, you just see a guy that's becoming more comfortable out there on the field you know obviously with his experience um, every game is a new experience for him every play is a new experience for him and you know for for him to just be able to continue to try to understand the game understand his positioning where he needs to be obviously he has he plays an aggressive uh, fast style of football and really just slowing the game down through understanding will allow him to just continue to develop and play even faster I love that coaching point of every single game, every single play is a new experience for him. And of course, in this league and in this life, really, every experience you have will inform you for future decisions, right? If you're smart enough to understand that experience generates wisdom and that wisdom can generate better production in any walk of life, football, being a father, being a husband, 
whatever your career might be, that can really help you take the next step in your career and in your life. And so for him to talk about that, about being able to play fast because of those experiences, I think we're starting to see a lot more of that here this season, even more so than last season. So I asked GA, is that fast, aggressive style what's made him so effective as a blitzer? Because as you just heard, he leads the NFL among all safeties in QB pressures. I think so. I mean, Brandon, you know, any anytime somebody as a blitzer plays with great speed, I think speed wins in pressure, whether it's in the run game as a blitzer or as a pass as a, in the pass game um, as a blitzer. Um, and so his, his ability to have that first step and play, and play very fast and, and make quick decisions out there on the field uh, allows him to be very disruptive and effective. I mean, it's something we saw from really day one of camp last year, just how fast this guy plays and his instincts are down around the line of scrimmage and in multiple areas of the football field. And so that, of course, gives you the opportunity to rush those guys up the A-gaps, off the edge. But in particular to the A-gaps here, I asked Coach because we saw Brandon Jones and Javon Holland threaten the A-gaps this week at that safety position. And I asked him, is that kind of a replacement for Jerome Baker being down since he's so prevalent in that role? And he said... Nothing to do with that. We just want to take advantage of those guys' skill sets. Here's GA talking about those blitzes from his two young safeties. We, we know that those guys, um, you know, they're, they're both very aggressive, even though, you know, Javon has ability and broke Brandon and him, and him have the ability to play in the deep defense. Uh, we know that those guys have uh, history in their career of being playmakers at and around the line of scrimmage. So um, just, you know, trying to you know, do some other things that kind of, go along with their skill sets and didn't have anything to do with anybody else in their positioning. It just had to do with what we were trying to do uh, from a game plan standpoint. Very clear and concise answer there. And then I asked him, do you feel comfortable with both of those guys in terms of being able to do everything, whether you want to play them in the deep post, split safety looks, on the line scrimmage, rat in the hole, blitz in the quarterback, whatever the case may be. Do you feel comfortable in that regard? Here's GA. I think that's what we're trying to develop. I mean, for those guys and their athleticism and their versatility, I think we want to be able to you know, get those guys to a point where we're able to do um, a lot of different things with those guys because of their individual skill sets, which allows us to be a little bit more versatile defensively. And so naturally the follow-up question to that was, do you feel like they're coming along pretty good in that regard? Coming along well? How are they coming along, Coach? Yeah, I mean, again, every 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 week is a new week, and you know, we've got to just con- still continue to develop that, uh, their ability to do that, their ability to complement one another with, the, with with those specific things. And what we were trying to do from a game plan standpoint, we'll, we'll get a chance to see which, which avenue we'll take. And, of course, when you have two players at the safety position, which is kind of one of your signal caller roles, as Coach Flores has called it, your linebackers, your safeties, your center, your quarterback, how do you feel their youth in that position has impacted their communication, and have you seen growth there? Here's GA. Uh, They are definitely doing a great job as far as, you know, trying to get on the same page um, and developing that communication and that continuity back there uh, with one another. You can see that they have a good rapport with one another and it's developing, you know, just kind of week by week and and it's been improving um, and that's encouraging. And we just got to continue to just build on some of the things that they've done uh, well so far and and some of the things that we've seen that we got to obviously improve on. Really good stuff there from Gerald Alexander. And next we turn it over to Charles Burks, who I asked a little bit about Byron Jones, who in the game on Sunday allowed just 26 receiving yards on seven pass targets and got his sixth pass breakup of the season. So the ball production coming around for Byron Jones, the coverage zone man. You're going to hear Coach Burks talk about it, but he's having a heck of a season so far. Let's go ahead and just start here with an evaluation of Byron Jones' season so far, according to cornerbacks coach Charles Burks. Oh, man, I think Byron is playing at an elite level. 
you know, a, a, a lot of what Byron does doesn't necessarily show up from splash plays, but from, you know, the play-to-play, play-in, play-out, consistency, uh, you know, on and off the field, making tackles, getting lined up, getting other people lined up around him. Uh, he, he has done a phenomenal job. I think he's covering at an elite level. I think he's playing zone at an elite level. Uh, he, he's doing a lot of really good things, you know, uh, for the past few weeks. So uh, I'm very pleased at where he's at. And, uh, you know, we're just going to keep working and being diligent about what we're doing and make sure we stay on track. I love what he said there about off the field, on and off the field, because he talked a little bit there about Byron Jones's professionalism, and he will here later on. But I've talked about it all since I got here, you know, back in the start of 2020, when I would see Byron Jones on the field at training camp, just getting extra work in and the way he stretches and keeps his body loose. And I just really respect the way he works. And so it was cool to hear Coach Burks kind of confirm that and talk about it in more depth than what I just see in terms of practices and games and warmups and that kind of stuff. So next I asked him about that PBU he had in the game on Sunday because I was curious. He was basically responsible for the deep third of the field right there. And also the underneath, too, a little bit. He kind of played both of those, had eyes on the quarterback. So I asked him about that play and what he saw in that play about Byron Jones and how he was able to get himself in position to save a touchdown pass on that particular play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, he, he had zone eyes, you know, playing a little bit of being aggressive. You know, he, had a, he had good depth on the receiver that allowed him to play like that. And then, you know, at the end of the day, when the ball was in the air, it, it was, he didn't panic. He looked to make the play on the ball, and it was a phenomenal play. Up next, I asked him about kind of the transition from what he was in Dallas to what he's been in Miami. And, you know, back with the Cowboys, he would play this man coverage where he basically plastered and didn't really even locate the ball half the time, just kind of playing the man. And you heard Coach talk about his his man and zone coverage here. And when you are playing zone, there's more opportunities for picks because your eyes are on the quarterback, whereas when you're playing the man, a little bit different scenario where you can get pass breakups and just force guys to not even get targets if you, if you cover them right, right? So I asked him about that and his ability to to make plays and to be a productive corner without the production because of that style of play. Just wanted to go ahead and let Charles Burks talk us through that. So that makes it a lot more challenging to get interceptions, right? Because For sure. Because you're playing the man up the floor. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think the way we play uh, cornerback here is a little bit different, you know, than other teams where we emphasize, you know, the ball production and, and everything like that. Yeah, we do want to cover a guy which, uh, again, Byron is covering at, a, at an elite level. Uh, you know, he, and he's a guy who he can go and cover the number one. You know, if, if he's charged with that task, he can go out there and he can cover the number one. So, uh, you know, we're just fortunate to have two guys that can play, you know, on an elite level. And, uh, you know, whether he has picks, whether he doesn't have picks, I'm pleased at what he's doing right now, and I'm pleased at where he's at. And uh, like I said, we just got to keep working to make sure we stay where we're at. And again, that versatility to play multiple schemes and cover different guys, go inside, outside, different sides of the field, just really helps you expand what you can do defensively. And I also asked Coach about the challenges that come along with being a a high-priced free agent in a new building, a new facility, a new team, and how you kind of progress into that production and if it escalates as you go along like you would expect a rookie to. And so I asked Coach about that. Here's his answer on Byron Jones kind of, coming into his own here a little bit. Now, that's you know that's not the right phrase I want to use. Just having his production continue to go up and up and up as we go along here in his second year with the Dolphins. Anytime there's a change of scenery, there's always a, a process of, you know, getting acclimated or not. And, you know, I think that's, you know, with any game, you know, now football uh, is a game where, you know, you, you come in and you play a different scheme. 
and you have to learn the scheme. You have to get comfortable within the scheme, and then the coaches have to learn you to put you in the best position within the scheme. So, you know, there's that. But I think that he's took that in stride. I think that he's altered his game, you know, adjusted his game to our scheme. And uh, like I say, I, I'm pleased at where he's at. He puts in the work. You know, this is a guy that works diligently. He, I mean, every day he's the same person each and every day he walks in the building. So what you see on the field is a reflection of his preparation. Let's go ahead and finish up here with Coach Burks. And a last question where I asked him about some comments that Xavier and Howard made posting about some of the coverage and being aggressive. And let's just go ahead and play the audio here from Coach Burks with regards to what Xavier and Howard said about the defensive backs playing very aggressive in that game on Sunday. Yeah, you know, we, you know, last year we, we definitely were with the aggressive mindset. And, uh, you know, it's each game is different. Each game is different. Each team is different, you know, and uh, this team, you know, as we uh, game plan them, we wanted to be aggressive. And, you know, that was a reflection in, you know, how the game, you know, played out. Uh, and I thought we did a really good job of being aggressive. And at the end of the day, I believe that's who we are, you know, as a defense and as our philosophy on defense. And uh, I think that's probably what he's alluding to. So aggressiveness there is the philosophy of this Dolphins defense from Coach Burks. Let's go ahead and call that a podcast here on this Wednesday. We're going to come back with you guys tomorrow for the preview edition, taking a look at the Dolphins hosting the Houston Texans on Sunday here at Hard Rock Stadium. Uh, For all the rest of the media availabilities I didn't cover here, we'll have some videos up on YouTube, so go ahead and check that out. In the meantime, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank with Seth and OJ, Sean Smith on the recent episode. Again, the YouTube channel for the media availabilities and Dolphins today. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up. Caroline, daddy is coming home.